0: The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we are. Amen, amen, and amen, and amen to be here this morning, hey, Amen. I know I am. <laughs> well, today we're going to be continuing in the series we started, I think, two three weeks ago, and that series we titled it "Build Up to Wealth Builders Africa Conference." And so, I just want to remind you, we've got three weeks. Until uh, Wealth Builders Africa Conference. And our desire, Pastor T and I, um, is that all of you will attend. Uh, Pastor Henry said it so eloquently God has experiences for you. And I really believe from the very bottom of my heart that God has experiences for you that are going to elevate you and take you to higher levels of increase, higher levels of prosperity, higher levels of just every good thing that God has for you. And so if you're ready to go to a higher level in your business, if you're ready to go to a higher level in your career, if you're ready to go to a higher level in your life, then please join us at Wellville's in Africa on the 8th to the 10th of June. Amen. And so tickets are on sale um, at church. Uh, You can check out the registration desk and... Book your space, okay? Because this is really going to bless you. Amen. Pastor T sends his love this morning. He's uh, ministering um, at our church in Durban. Um, and I think they're having loads of fun and lots of hot weather today. So I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing some serious FOMO. <laughs> so let's go quickly to Genesis 1, our foundational scripture. And we're going to read verses 27, actually, to 28. And I'd like it up, please, in the message translation. And I'd actually like to start um, on the part that says that God created them male and female, okay? So if you've got your Bible, let's go to Genesis 1. We're going to read verse 27 in the message translation. Uh, And we're going to start where it says, God created them male and female. Okay, and then it says this, it says, God blessed them, semicolon, and we see open inverted commas. Now, what we're about to see, uh, church, is we're about to see the very first words that God ever spoke to the very first uh, man on earth, amen? And so we see the first word that God ever said to man was simply this, prosper, prosper, right? Because the reality is, the truth of the matter is, Prosperity is God's will for our lives. You know, the truth of the word of God is that we are supposed to be prosperous. Amen. And we learned last week that the reason uh, for our prosperity, you know, the definition really of true biblical prosperity is about having an abundance so that we can be a blessing to others. Amen. Having an abundance so that we can make a difference in people's lives. Amen. And then the next thing that God says to the very first man is he says, reproduce. Now that word reproduce is not limited here to procreation. It's not limited to having loads and loads of babies, right? That's cool. That's good. Amen. Okay. But but that word and what God was trying to communicate here goes well beyond that, right? You know, God, I always thought about it. Like God really, He could have planted the entire earth. He really could have, right? But in his wisdom, he, he chose to plant a garden, okay? And then what did he do? He gave this garden to Adam, right? And so I believe when he was saying reproduce, really what he was saying to Adam is he was saying to Adam, take this garden, take what I've given you and grow it, right? Really what I believe God was saying to Adam is he was saying to Adam, take this garden and make it international, Amen. And so really, church, and I think this is something, I, 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 you know, I, we cannot stress enough. You know, God created all of us. In fact, let me start this. Let me start saying this, okay? God always starts with the garden, okay? And I know sometimes it just seems so um, di- discouraging, but it really is not. You know, that's the way, that's God's MO. You know, God always gives us um, ideas in seed form. And the reason why he gives us ideas in seed form, Pastor Harry said, it's it's because he wants to partner with us in taking those ideas to the world. And so I want to tell someone here that you were created for global success. You really were. Your business was created for global success. Your life was created for global success. Amen. Your ministry was created for global success. Don't limit God. Don't limit God. You know, God can take you from here, where you are right now. And he can take you to the world. Amen? Amen. Don't limit God. And the next thing he says is he says, fill the earth. And he says, take charge. Take charge. Okay, because I really believe now more than ever, um, our kingdom mandate as believers is really to take charge okay, is really to take charge and start dominating um, in our calling. I really, really, really believe now more than ever, we're living in a time, you know, where God is telling us there's a sense of urgency. God is telling us it's time to take charge and run our own race. And so today I want to talk to you about running your own race. And I know Chuck's, I know the media team is always asking me, what's your title of your message? Okay, I'm going to give it to you now. So please don't WhatsApp me at 2 p.m. I want to sleep, okay? But, but simply put, the, the title of my message, actually, I was thinking about it yesterday. I thought, what am I going to call this message? I thought, Let me just preempt it before I'm asked. And so the title of my message, simply put, today is, is what race am I called to run? What race am I called to run? So this is what we're going to be, uh, 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 you know, really just helping you to answer today, okay? And uh, man, it's it's going to be a blessing. God has a good word for you, amen? Amen. And so in Hebrews 12, verse 1, let's go there quickly. Hebrews 12, verse 1. The scripture says, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And it says, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. And so what we learn in this powerful, powerful passage of scripture is that there is a divinely ordained race. That really has been said before each and every single one of us. Okay? Every one of us has a call of God on our lives. Every one of us is called of God. Amen? Don't discount yourself because of your gender. Don't discount yourself because of your age. Don't discount yourself because of your background. You have a calling. You have a call of God on your life. And the thing about this calling is that you had this calling on your life even before you were ever born. Jeremiah verse one, oh, Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5, in the New King James, it says this. It says, before I formed you, and this is God speaking to Jeremiah, right? God speaking to Jeremiah says this to him. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. It says, before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. And so what we learn here is before Jeremiah was even conceived, you know, before Jeremiah was even born, you know, before Jeremiah, and I need someone to get this, before Jeremiah did anything good on this earth, before Jeremiah did anything bad on this earth, scripture said God knew him and God had a call of God, a call on his life. Amen. And, and Jeremiah's specific call was to be a prophet uh, to the nation's. Well, church, the same thing is absolutely true about you, right? Your parents may not have known that you were coming. They may not even have seen you coming. But God knew you were coming. Amen? You you are not an accident. And I need someone to get this here today. You're not an accident. You know, God is not an accidental God. God is an intentional God. You know, you're not a mistake. And as we were worshiping, man, I... I forever, when I was growing up, thought I was a mistake. And, and, and God was ministering to me today during this powerful worship. Marshall, you're going to levels here. You and your team are levels. It's amazing. God was ministering to me. And he was saying, you're not a mistake. You're a masterpiece. And I want to tell someone here this morning that you are not a mistake. You are a masterpiece. You know, God himself, he intentionally... He purposely, he personally, he handcrafted you. He created you on purpose for a very specific and very unique purpose. Amen. And so all of us, church, all of us were created on purpose to run our own race. And one of the things that I'm so excited about Wealth Builders and and, and really having Wealth Builders come here to Africa is because you're going to learn so many things. And, and one of the things I believe Billy is going to teach you um, is that, he, and this is what he, he firmly believes. He firmly believes that um, every believer is called to at least two of the seven mountains of influence. Amen? Amen. And so, you know, some of you are probably asking, what is this whole thing about seven mountains, you know? Well, the seven mountains, or the phrase seven mountains, was coined, interestingly enough, by, it was actually by Bill, we commonly say Bill Bright, but I was doing some research, and I found out that it was also coined um, by a guy called Lauren Cunningham in the 1970s. In fact, what happened, the story says that God visited both of them in the same 24-hour period, and he told them that they had a message that they needed to give to the other person, right? So Bill needed to give Lauren the same message, Lauren needed to give Bill the message. That's the story, Google it, okay? And the message that they were supposed to give each other, and ultimately the message that they were supposed to share across the world was simply this, right? It was this, it was that there are seven mountains, or or there are seven spheres, or, or really simply put, there are seven areas of society that are key to influencing the culture of any nation. And that's powerful. There are seven of them, right? And so what they started teaching and what was popularized by Lance Wallnau in the 2000s and eventually Bill Johnson and uh, uh, Lance Wallnau in in 2013, they wrote a publication that really literally went viral um, about the Seven Mountain Mandate. So what they began teaching was that Essentially, was was simply this: they taught that in order for the church, right, in order for believers to transform nations with the gospel, okay, in order for the church to be effective in the Great Commission. Now, what's the Great Commission? Jesus told us to go and make what disciples of nations, okay, not people, nations, nations. That's God. God's agenda is so much bigger than that. God's agenda is huge. Right? So they taught in order for, for Christians to make disciples of nations. Yeah. Right? Wow. Believers needed to be step out into those seven mountains. Amen? They, they needed to really get into those seven mountains. And so, what are those seven mountains you're probably asking? Well, the seven mountains are simply this, and this is not in any order of priorities, just in the order, of, the order that I wrote them down. There's the education mountain, there's the mountain of arts and entertainment. There's the mountain of government. We need Christians in government. Okay, amen, big amen to that. We need Christians in media. There's the family mountain. There's business marketplace. And then there's the religion mountain. Now note I said religion, okay? I didn't say church. Because the idea is that the church, the body of Christ, the believers, are meant to be in all of these mountains, okay? And so, and so going back to exhibit A, you know Genesis 1, you know verse 27, when God says take charge, what I what I sincerely believe God is telling us is that he wants us to take charge of our mountain you know, what God is telling us is that he wants to, us to begin to infiltrate the mountain or mountains that we are called to. He wants us to begin to rise up to the very top of those mountains so that when we begin to occupy the very top of those mountains that we are assigned to, we can literally, literally, and, and this is literally, we can literally shape the agenda that forms nations. Amen? Amen? When we, when we begin to run our own race on the mountain that we're assigned to, we can change nations with the gospel. And I really love teaching this, uh, this, uh, this principle. I love it when we teach it because every time we teach them, you can literally see people's faces light up. And I'm actually seeing some faces light up, um, light up even this morning, right? Um, we were teaching these principles in, um, in L.A. At, at the Grace and the Marketplace Conference. I think it was in 2020. Um, and, 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 and straight after we were teaching these principles, there was actually a lady that came up to me, and she was, she was so um, emotional, right? And, and through her tears, she just started, you know, saying, I am so grateful. You, you guys have literally set me free to run my own race. And, and so I started asking her, because I'm always very curious about people's stories and people's lives, and, and I said, tell, tell me your story. And then she said to me, um, you know, she'd always known from a very young age that she was gifted uh, in the arena of, of arts and entertainment. By the way, the Grace in the Marketplace conference was a conference, uh, you know, we had a small gathering of actors and, and creatives, right? People that, that God had gifted in that space. And so this particular woman was saying that she always knew she was gifted from a young age to act, right? She, she loved it. She was really passionate about it, Right. But but she always grew up thinking that the only way that she could uh, disciple nations, the only way that she could truly uh, make a difference in this world and, and, and really change people's lives was by hopping on over to the religious mountain. And so there she was, you know, trying to run a race on a mountain really that she was called, not called for, a mountain that she knew she was not called to, and a mountain that the people she was ministering knew she was not called to. It was a little bit of a disaster, right? And so she was so overwhelmed because for the first time, she understood that God had called her you know, to the, to the arts and entertainment mountain. Amen? Amen. And so, and so I believe this is where the, the church has missed it for so long. You know, there was really a time where we spent all of our focus, all of our attention on the, on the religious mountain. Hmm? Can I get a witness? Yeah. You know, there was a time when everyone just wanted to camp out on, on the mountain of religion. You know, I don't know. We, 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 we didn't know what we knew then. I think we thought we could change the world. You know, we thought we could see nations changed by the gospel from that one mountain. And so what happened is at some point in time, everyone wanted to be a pastor. Everyone wanted to be a prophet. Yeah, I've seen people, everyone, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Everyone wanted to be an evangelist. You know, everyone wanted to camp out on that mountain of religion. But what we didn't realize, and I believe what we're now realizing, you know, there are certain men of God who are saying that we're in the third great awakening. What I I believe personally is that third great awakening or an aspect of that third great awakening is that we are now awakening to really the reality that God has called believers not only to go to the religious mountain, but that God has called believers to go into all seven mountains. And as we begin to step into our place of assignment, then and really only then can the church begin to influence and see entire nations come to Christ. Amen. 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 And so really what that means is that regardless of the mountain, you know, that you're called to, regardless of even the mountain that you currently find yourself in church, that's a place, right, that you can bring the kingdom of God on the earth. Amen. 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 Let's go to 1 Corinthians 9, and we're going to read verse 24 in the Amplified Classic. That's 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to read verse uh, 24 in the Amplified Classic. It says this. It's Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Do you know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? And then it says this. Can you guys see it? Can I have it in the Amplified Classic? Please. <laughs> it's really cool. Okay, so it says, Do you not know that in a race all runners compete, but only one receives the prize? Then it says this run your race, run your race, and make, uh, no, run your race that you may lay hold of the prize and make it yours, run your race, right, you know, when I was writing my book last year, uh, Run Your Own Race, you know, there's a lot of research involved in writing a book, guys, you can't just, you know, there's a lot of research, okay, um, but w- one of the t- statistics that I, uh, that I encountered uh, was that, um, and it was quite shocking for to me, right? But there's a company that did a survey of Christians, okay? People, who, Christians, who were born again. And, and, and the statistic or well, the results said this. It said 89% of Christians lack clarity of purpose. In other words, really what this research was telling us is 89% of Christians don't even know what race they're supposed to run, And so what we find when people don't know what race they're supposed to run, what happens is a lot of people right now are running the wrong race. But how many of you know that when you're running the wrong race, it doesn't matter how hard you train the night before for the race. It really doesn't matter how hard you prepare for that race, right? You know, you may have prepared for nine months. It doesn't even matter how hard you ran on the day of that race. It also doesn't even matter if you even finish that race. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to get to the finish and yay! And they're going to look for your name. Well, oh, were you entered for this race? No, we can't see your name there. Sorry, no medal. Okay. And, uh, you, know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I'm really saying this is the reality of what happens when you're running the wrong race. You can end up wasting a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of your efforts and a lot of time. You know, that's why finding your purpose from God is, is critical. Uh, the late Miles Monroe said this, he said, when the purpose of a thing is not known, its abuse is inevitable, right? That word abuse really stands for abnormal use. And so if a purpose of a thing is not known, its abnormal use is inevitable. You know, the, a few years ago, there was a movie, a very famous movie of uh, people in the desert. I can't even remember the name. And there were two, two little boys in the Kalahari Desert, and they found... What was it called? God Must Be Crazy. <laughs> God is not crazy, Okay. The God is not crazy. And there were two little boys, and they found a gun in the desert, right? And I remember one of them, he picks up this gun, and he starts using this loaded gun, but mind you, he starts using it as a hammer. And all the time, he's hammering away with this thing, and he's pointing this gun at himself, and I just was covering my eyes. I was like, nah, this is a accident waiting to happen. And do you know why he was using the gun uh, The gun as a hammer? It's because he didn't know what the purpose of the gun was. Amen? And so, and so the same is really true, true about life. You know, when the purpose of life is not known, abuse is inevitable. And so it's so very important, church, to let your life be driven by purpose and not just brilliant ideas. Not just good ideas. Okay? Okay. Good, oh, it's a good idea to do this. Oh, it's a good idea to do that. Oh, it's a good idea to do that. Uh-uh. You know, there's, there's something that's good and, and something that's God aren't always the same thing. Okay? It may be a good idea to be a missionary in Iraq. That's a good idea, right? You know, people need uh, the gospel in Iraq, right? Of course. It, it, may be, it may be a good idea. But it may not be God's will for your life. Okay? And so this is what we've established, and this is what, you know, in in our years, really in ministry, we've really uh, 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 come to realize, okay? We've come to realize this. Good ideas, man, those good ideas can even be great ideas. Great ideas will crash. But good God ideas, God ideas will always win. God's will, God's purpose for your life, it will always prevail. Amen. And so it's important that we know what our purpose is. Ephesians 5 verse 17, it says this. It says, therefore, be not unwise, but understanding the will of the Lord. In the NLT, it just says it like it is, right? It says, don't act thoughtlessly. In other words, give it some thought. Give it some thought, church. And it says, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. We need to understand what the Lord wants us to do in life. We need to understand the race that God is calling us to run. Amen. And here's the thing about this you know, understanding God's purpose for your life. You know, it's it's you're not gonna find out God's will for your life accidentally. You actually have to seek it to find it. And when you seek it and find it, okay, you're going to also have to be intentional about getting in the game. Okay? And putting really disciplines in your life to finish strong. And so when it comes to a believer, now this is the meat of my message. When it comes to a believer, uh, purpose can really be categorized into two there's what's known as your primary purpose, and that's what's known as your secondary purpose, okay? And no, let's, let's look at primary purpose. Primary purpose is, is really something that's universal to all of us, right? In fact, they also call, uh, some people also call your primary purpose, it's a general purpose, it's a universal purpose. And so if you've made Jesus your Lord and Savior, we all have one purpose in, mind, in, 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 all purpose in life, right? One primary purpose in life. And that purpose, um, I simply summarize it as, as, as this, right? It's six words, okay, six words. Know Jesus and make him known. Amen. Your primary purpose as a born-again believer, a born-again child of God, is to know Jesus and to make him known. Amen? And so Paul, in Philippians 3 verse 10, in the Amplified Classic, he says this. He says, for my determined purpose. and Now here he's talking about primary purpose right he says my determined purpose is that i may know him okay and i love they say the amplified classic is the woman's bible because it's wordy bring it on i love wordy right cuz the amplified classic actually begins to define for us what the word know means right And it says, to know him means that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him. Perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly. Amen. And so our primary purpose, the reason why we were created is is really to be in a relationship with the Lord. Okay. God just wants to hang out with us. And, and, and most of us, and I, the Lord really corrected me. He said, stop being too busy with your life. I just want to hang out with you. The Lord just wants to be in a relationship with us. And this is what happens when you become so um, intimately acquainted with someone. The more you know someone, the more you begin to look like them. The more you begin to talk like them. The more you even begin to sound like them. Okay, I don't know. People sometimes call me Pastor T. I'm like... <laughs> Am I really that intimately acquainted with him? <laughs> I don't think I look. I think I'm prettier than him. <laughs> I know you're listening, babe. I'm prettier than you. <laughs> but um, but that's the reality. When you become to know, begin to know someone, else, someone so intimately like that by really spending time with them. Not only do you begin to reflect their goodness, you begin to reflect their nature. You begin to reflect God's love. If, whereas you become more intimately acquainted with them, you begin to reflect. You know the goodness of God. To your world, you know the people that God has placed in your life, and so and so. I want to say this again because it's really important. You were created to know Jesus and allow your life to be a living billboard for the Lord. You know those those advertisement board. I, I think maybe I'm not. You know the when you're on the highway and you're driving on the highway, and there are those big boards advertising banks and uh, telecom companies. And I saw a big board advertising Housewives of Joburg. They're now in Housewives of Joburg, but anyway. Anyway, the more intimately acquainted we become with Jesus, the more we can let our lives be living advertisement boards for Jesus. You know, um, a, few, a few years ago, no, two years ago, one of my colleagues called me, and she's Muslim. And she called me and she asked me, in fact, this is what she said to me. She said, look, uh, Chipo, I'm calling you because my husband called, told me to call that crazy Christian. And she was like, I knew exactly who he was telling me to call, right? And I was like, okay, this is cool. What do you want? And then she said, my husband is sick, and he asked specifically for you to pray for him. And I thought, let me use this opportunity, you know? Make, make the most of every opportunity. And I said, friend, you know, when I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus, okay? We're going to pray for you, but I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. And you know what she said to me? She said to me, you pray in that name. I've seen that work in your life. Pray in that name. It works. And prayed and thank God Jesus healed her husband. But I I remember uh, telling PT that story and I was so blessed because I thought, man, that's my purpose. Mm. Church, that's your purpose. Your purpose is to know Jesus and make him known to your world. Make him known to the people that God has placed in your life. Amen. Amen. So to summarize, primary purpose is being in a relationship with the Lord. And then what happens is out of that being in a relationship with the Lord, then and really only then can we find out our doing, our specific purpose. And so, and so church, you need to be before you do. Amen. Be in relationship before you do. Okay? So let's talk about the doing. That's a specific purpose, otherwise known as your calling. Right? Your calling is something that absolutely no one else can do on this earth but you. The call on your life is not a copy. The call on your life is not a copy. You know, God didn't just wake up, oh, Pastor H is born. Okay, I am going to take uh, Pastor Dave's calling and I'm going to give it to him. No. Your calling is not a copy. It's unique to you and you alone. Like they say, a person's calling is as unique as their fingerprints. Now, science says that no two fingerprints are alike. Well, the reality is no two callings are the same. Each and every single person is literally shaped or designed according to his or her calling. And so interestingly enough, Paul deals with both sort of purposes, your primary and secondary purpose in the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 in the New King James. And this, is, and this is what he says. We're going to start in verse 15. It says, um, Paul is speaking, and he says, But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace, now listen to this, because it gets really exciting. Verse 16. He says this. He says, God called me to reveal his son in me. Okay? And I'm going to stop there. Because what we're about to see is we're about to see the twofold purpose of man revealed. Right? Paul is saying his primary purpose, right, is is for Jesus to be revealed in him, okay? He says, to reveal his son in me. And then Paul carries on. This is pretty cool, right? And he says, that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. And so what we see here is we see then Paul's secondary purpose, his calling. And um, what was Paul's secondary calling? What was Paul made and fashioned in his mother's womb to do? To uniquely do, he was called to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. Amen. So I really hope that we, I've laid a foundation here. Because I know now the question you're asking me is, okay, fine. How do I begin to understand what God uniquely created me for? Amen. How do I begin to understand how God, what God created me for? for? Right. I've got three ways, three ways you can begin to actually, and three ways that the Lord really has helped me understand you know, the, the, the race I'm supposed to run. What he uniquely wired and gifted me for. The first one is going to sound so simple, you know. Uh, some of you are going to be deeply disappointed, but it's really that simple. Okay, If you want to find out what you were uniquely created for, number one, ask the one who created you. Ask the one who created you. You know, if I was to come into this room with an invention that you guys had never in your life seen before, right? Never in your life seen before. And I was to ask you, you know, what, 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 what is this thing? What's the purpose of this thing? I mean, what would you say? You said, I don't know. I don't know. I've never seen that thing in my life, right? But on the other hand, if the person, when the, 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 the creator of the invention was to walk into the room, well, what's the most logical thing for me to do? The most logical thing for me to do is ask the creator, right? He's the one who created the thing. Well, the same is true about life. You know, church, we didn't evolve. Right? The, the, some people say we evolved from some bacteria in the dust and we became. Others say we evolved from some baboons. I don't know. Honestly, we didn't evolve. We were created. And so if you want to find out why you were created, ask the creator. Right? And sometimes maybe that a creator of that invention, you never in your life meet him, right? Well, another way to find out what the invention is for is to go to the manual. Right? And the manual for you to find out what you were created for is the Bible. Go to the Bible. Go to the Word of God. Amen. Amen. Jesus found his purpose in the Word. You know, Jesus literally found places in the Word that were written about him. There are places in the Word of God that are written about you. You know, there are places in the word of God that will show you and reveal to you. I don't know how God does it, but he does through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will begin to speak to you. And so it's so very important for you to get in the book. Get in the book. Um, when I began to seek the Lord earnestly about his specific will for my life, you know, um, I, 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 I just started spending more time in the word. Um, and and I remember I'd be spending time in the Word and, and there was one specific um, passage of scripture that I was just led to, right? And it was in First Peter four, verse um, I think it was verse ten in the in the NLT. And and, and 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 the Lord said this in the scripture, He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of gifts. And it says, use them to serve one another well. My heart really started racing because, you know, whenever you read the word, be expectant to really hear from God. And I'm, I'm, I'm reading the scripture, and my heart starts racing, and the Holy Spirit starts edging me on, carry on, continue reading. And and the verse eleven says this. It says, Do you have the gift of speaking? Then it says, speak as though God himself was speaking through you. I don't know what happened there. You know, in, uh, it was the days before I got converted to the iPad. So I was using a, uh, uh, um, a manual Bible. And, and I mean, the font of the Bible was font size probably six or whatever. But as I read the verse 11, it's like that font size six became font size 100. Right? That word literally leapt off this page and leapt into my heart. Because I knew that I knew that I knew then that God had called me in the marketplace to begin to step up a lot more and speak. God had called me in the ministry to begin to step up more and speak. And, and the awesome thing was that he'd called me to speak, not out of my own limited ability, but really out of his ability. And that forever changed my life. And it literally forever changed how I view myself, my role in the marketplace and my role in the ministry. One word from God can change your life. One word. One word from God can literally propel you into your destiny. So get in the book. Get in the book. And, and here I've got to say, not as some religious duty, not as some religious exercise to go from Genesis to Revelations in six months. I, I was very blessed that when I was born again into grace, so I didn't have the religious baggage. I didn't, I didn't do that. I didn't do the, all that stuff, right? born again into grace. But, but here's what began to happen to me. I began to read my Bible as a religious duty, like something that I had to do, you know. And as I was in the Word, I just found no real enjoyment. I'm just going to be honest with you, okay, because sometimes this is what can happen. But do you know what I, what I did? I, I, I said to the Lord, I was honest before the Lord, and I said, Lord, I'm just not enjoying my time in the Word. Help me. What's going on here? Help me. And, and you know, the Lord is so awesome because he answered that prayer in two days. You know, and that prayer was simply answered by changing the translation that I was reading. You know, I thought, you know, when I was born again, I had to be in King James. No, you don't. And so, what happened is, two days after I prayed that prayer, someone bought me the Amplified Classic. Hallelujah, Amen. And so, I'm in the Word. I love the Word, and I'm reading that Word, expecting to hear Jesus speak to me right now. I'm in the Book of Acts. I've been in the Book of Acts for, for since January. You don't have to rush your scripture readings, okay? Just stay in the word. Be open to hearing God. Man, I'm in the book. On Friday, I was reading the the story of Paul and Silas in the prison. And I was in the prison with Paul and Silas. And we were worshiping the Lord. And the prison doors opened. (laughs) There was an earthquake. Oh, man, it's so good. I love the word. Get in the book. You know, the Lord will show you things in the book. He'll show you things about your calling. He'll show you things about how he's uniquely wired that you never even thought existed. Um, in your life. Amen. The second one, and this is really one of the most common ways God reveals his purpose to us, is, is really through the desires of, of our heart, as we're delighting ourselves in him. Amen. Psalm 37 verse 4 says this, it says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, now this verse has been um, commonly interpreted to mean that God will give you Whatever you want, right? And so some people have used this verse to desire other people's houses, to desire other people's cars. Some have pushed the envelope to start desiring other people's spouses. But God's not about to fulfill a, desi- a crazy desire like that. Really, he's not, right? Right. <laughs> Really, what the scripture means is that when you are delighting yourself in the Lord, and, and what does delighting look like? Delighting, the Holy Spirit told, to me, told me, delighting is simply um, seeking the Lord wholeheartedly. You know, seeking his will for your life wholeheartedly, just being genuine about it. Lord, why am I here? You know, delighting can look like committing your life to the Lord, committing everything concerning your life to the Lord. Uh, delighting can look like prioritizing the Lord. Prioritizing the Lord. Serving the Lord is delighting the Lord. Serving the people that the Lord has placed in your life is delighting the Lord in the Lord, right? But as you're delighting in the Lord, what will happen is God will put his desires into your heart. God will literally make his desires for your life become your desires for your life. Amen. And I want to really end with this story. You know, um, In fact, some of the biggest decisions that we, PT and I, have ever made in life, in ministry, in our career have come um, from simply seeking God first, delighting in him, and then just following the desires of our heart. It's really as simple as that. And so I want to share a quick testimony and then I'll close. I never in my life, honestly, in my wildest of dreams, ever thought I would be a pastor. I truly never. I never grew up in church. I never grew up with an example of b- ministering and being a pastor. I never in my wildest dreams. And so when I would uh, see, you know, uh, uh, you know, friends would invite me to church, and I'd just see the pastors, and I'd just, I'd be like, man, that's hard work. <laughs> I'm definitely not called to do that, right? But there was, came a point in my life where I really started being earnest about seeking the Lord's will for my life. There was a point in my life where I really began to delight I, with, with more um, uh, 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 energy and just more determination. I really started seeking what the Lord had called me to do right? And, 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 and what was happening is it was before Faithful Church, we, we, we were a part of another church. I just started serving the Lord. I mean, I learned, guys, I come straight from the streets. I didn't even know what serving was, right? And I just started finding joy in serving. Man, I started serving in like kids. I started serving in things that, you know, whatever my hands found to do, right? Literally, that's what happened. And, and you know what happened? As I was serving, as I was delighting myself in the Lord, all of a sudden, the Lord's changed my desire. All of a sudden, I had this burning uh, sense of urgency. And so it was just a burning desire to just, to just serve people more. I had this burning desire you know, to just want to see people's lives changed, to want to see people get better, to want to see people grow um, and disciple them in the word of God, which had forever changed my life. And the Lord changed my desires. And I literally just followed those desires. And I thank God, you know, because he's really helped me. That's was how I began to step up um, on this mountain of religion. Amen. And then just another one in the marketplace. One of the hats that I wear is I, I work for, I work in the marketplace. I've been in the financial services industry for what, close to 20 years now. And, and um, most of my time in banking specifically, I was in a, in a finance, in a middle office, sort of back office role. And about six years ago... You know, the Lord really started changing my desires again. I was delighting myself in Him. Church, that's it. That's how it starts, right? Delight yourself in the Lord. Seek Him. Be continuously in the Word. Be prioritizing and worshiping, serving the Lord, right? And the Lord started to change my desires. He started to change my desires to want to go into a front office role, right? And I don't, I, I, you know, to really want to go and become a banker. Now there was one small problem with that. And that one small problem is at that point where the Lord is changing my desires, right? The company is not moving anyone from back office to front office because there'd been some fraud event with a trader who'd moved from back office. So he'd known all the passwords. He knew the engine room, right? So the the company just took a conservative stance and said, no one is moving. Okay. And then as I'm, you know, asking people who are in the role, asking people in banking what this whole banker role is about. I mean, they were looking at me and they were like, what do you want to do? What? You're crazy. You know, most bankers, you know, they move through as bankers, right? Most bankers who come through come with their own clients. You want to come in with no clients? You want to come in with no experience? Keep dreaming, girl. And I said, Lord, I don't know you, you, you you really, I mean, you're stirring up my heart to move in that direction. What, 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 what do I do now? And I'm listening to teaching again, delighting myself in the Lord. I'm teach. I'm listening to the word. And I, I don't remember what the theme of the teaching was that I was listening to. That's just one of the disciplines I've put in my life. I'm in the word. I'm listening to the word. I'm just in the word day and night, right? And the the preacher then leads me to um, Psalm 37 verse 4, right? He says, delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of our heart. But the scripture, the preacher carried on reading. And he read verse 5. And this is what verse 5 says. Can we have it up on the screen? Um, Psalm 37 verse 5. It says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him and He shall bring it to pass. Remember the context is desires. Desires right so what's the it the it is the desires right and so i'm reading the scripture and the lord starts telling me he starts telling me i never um i've given you these desires but it's not for you to fulfill the desires right and i want to share with you the same passage of scripture in the esv okay because i think it's really powerful psalm 37 verse 5 in the esv it says this it says commit your way to the lord Trust in him and he will act. So I read this passage of scripture and I said, Lord, I get it. I get it. You want me to commit these desires to you. Lord, here are your desires, right? I'm going to do what I can do in the natural, right? I'm going to send out CVs to get into front office, right? I'm going to talk to people to find out uh, what this front office thing is about. But I'm going to trust in you to do the supernatural, I'm going to trust in you to act. And so church, I want to tell you here, I actually want to testify of the goodness of God. Supernaturally, in a time when they're not moving people, they were not, right? Supernaturally, at a time where I had zero experience on banking, God opened up a door. He opened up the door for me to get into front office. God acted. God acted. Amen. And interestingly enough, I was having a conversation with my boss, yes, on Friday, about this. Reason. And she, I wasn't even talking about this. We're talking about something else. And then she said to me, do you know what? Uh, six years ago when I hired you, I had so much opposition hiring you. But she said to me, the Lord had spoken to her. The Lord had spoken to her and said, you need to hire this person. And so she's getting through the recruitment process, and she's asking her boss, you know, I'm I'm hiring this person. And you know what her boss said? Her boss said, don't hire this person. They have no experience. Hire them at your own risk. And then she thought, okay, let me go to my boss's boss for good measure. You know, maybe he's going to support this. And her, her boss's boss said, don't hire her. She has no experience. Hire her at your own risk. And so on the flip side, I'm, you know, I, I've committed my ways to the Lord. I've trusted in the Lord to act. On the flip side, God has been speaking to my boss about hiring me. And my boss decides to take a faith risk. My boss decides to stop playing it safe. My boss decides I'm going to do this because I have a word from God. And fast forward six years later, church, I want to testify of the goodness of God. That same banker or or non-banker then, don't hire her. God, man, he's so good. You know, God, I partnered with God and we were awarded the biggest tender that the banking sector has ever seen in Africa. You know, there are bankers who've been bankers for like 30, 40 years. They've never in their lives seen what we won they've never and i thank god every day i really thank god for changing my desires because what then has happened on friday i also got um an email saying that i'd been nominated for the excellence awards that's the company's prestigious awards that's what god can do for your life let's give god the glory the excellent Awards for the deal maker of the year And I was telling PT, he better thank God all the days of his life that he married me. You know why? Because when we win that award, the company said that we're going to go, both PT and I, you know, he's blessed. We're going to go on an all expenses holiday, all expenses trip. Think about a week at some destination holiday. They actually said to us, it's not in South Africa. Because they said to us, "Make sure your passports are ready." (laughs) Amen, amen. Well, why don't we get up on our feet? Amen. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. And I know some of you are saying, "What's the third one?" (laughs) The third one is simply this: What frustrates you may be a prompting of the Holy Spirit to show you what problems you're created to solve. Yeah. What frustrates you may be the Holy Spirit telling you why He created you, telling you that that's the problems those are the problems that I've created for you to solve there's a gentleman called um Garrett camp and uh, in America and and what happened is Garrett Camp had, had gone to a conference in San Francisco and 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 I mean he was so frustrated because you know he's trying to get from his from the conference to his hotel room and he can't find a cab and so what he ended up having to do is he ended up having to hire a private driver and he spent the equivalent of 12,000 rands to get like from here to four ways more. That's like what, two k- three k's, four k's? Four, k- four kilometers for those online, right? He spent 12,000, the equivalent of 12,000 rands to travel a very short distance, right? And so he got to his hotel room and he was like, he was determined, man, we need to find a solution here. We need to find a solution. Number one, to just reduce the cost of direct transportation, but also to just add more vehicles in the road to transport people. And you know what company was born out of this? Uber. Uber was born out of frustration. And Gareth Camp, I believe, realizing that he was created to solve for this problem. Amen. 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 Well, let us pray. Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that you are a good father. Lord, we want to thank you that you created all of us, none of us excluded, on purpose, for very specific purpose. Lord, we want to thank you that none of us, none of us is a mistake. None of us is an accident. We were created by you, Lord, for big things. We were created by you, Lord, to do significant things on this earth. Father, I just thank you. Right now, I just speak the same grace, the same grace that is on this ministry for global impact, the same grace that is on our lives. I speak the same grace over every single person under the sound of my voice, the same grace. We refuse to limit you, God. We refuse to limit you. Thank you that we were created for global success. Thank you that we were created for global success. Father, I speak the same grace, the same grace of making a way where there seems to be no way for opening up doors that people are saying, no way, you're not going to go through those doors for opening up doors that man, this is impossible. Lord, Mm -mm. I speak the same grace. I say doors of opportunity that men say are impossible are possible to every single person under the sound of my voice father thank you that you have already gone ahead of us and you've already made every crooked part straight thank you father that you're making right now the impossible possible father we thank you right now that you're making the improbable probable father we thank you for doing it we thank you for doing it in our lives We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. Father, use our lives as a billboard. Use our lives to glorify you. Use our lives to demonstrate your goodness, your power, your glory. Father, we open up our lives. We say, have your way in our lives. Lord, we say, make us usable. Make us usable. Make us usable, Father. And we thank you for doing it, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray and we all say amen and amen and amen. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.